and the Rolls-Royce of criminal enterprise. The Chin controlled all numbers operations in Lower Manhattan, as well as the annual St. Anthony's Feast in his neighborhood, where he turned piety into profit. By 1985, when Gigante was surreptitiously running the Genovese family, and Anthony Fat Tony Salerno took the law enforcement heat as its straw boss, the family's assorted illegal enterprises included gambling, extortion, loan-sharking, and bid-rigging. The Genovese influence extended to the garbage, concrete, construction, and music industries. They held an iron grip on the labor that allowed them to dominate the New Jersey waterfront, the Javits Convention Center, and the Fulton Fish Market. The family was stealing money on every window installed at the city's vast housing projects, and skimming cash from New York's enormous concrete industry. Gigante boasted a workforce of more than 400 dedicated men at his 24-hour beck and call. In the Mafia galaxy, no mob star burned brighter than the famously nocturnal Gigante. The alleged status of Vincent Gigante as boss of the Genovese organized crime family makes him the sun around which all the planetary criminal activities revolve, observed U.S. District Court Judge I. Leo Glasser. Yet this titan of illegal industry was most notorious for his odd father routine, where he played a serial psychiatric hospital patient, who wandered the city streets clad only in his ratty bathrobe, well-worn pajamas, and decrepit pair of slippers. Gigante occasionally added a floppy hat to complete the carefully mismatched ensemble. Gigante on close to thirty occasions admitted himself to a suburban mental hospital for treatment of his self-diagnosed mental illness. Among his mafia pals, the visits were genially known as tune-ups. Each one added to his wacky aura of invincibility, sparing him prosecution while ensuring his continued reign atop the world of organized crime. The brutal gangster and his doddering alter ego lived side by side within the chin and helped him become the most successful mob boss of the last century. He surpassed headline-making next-generation mafiosi like Gotti, old-time leaders like Frank Costello, and even the namesake of his crime family and his mob mentor, Vito Genovese. You know, every time a mob boss gets indicted, he becomes the most powerful boss, said former federal prosecutor Greg O'Connell. John Gotti captured a lot of attention, but we knew Gigante was the guy. The chin was the capo di tutti capi, the boss of bosses. His long and successful reign was inexorably linked to his strange persona, captured in scores of FBI surveillance photos, and witnessed by countless passers-by on the streets of Greenwich Village. Gigante couldn't do it alone. He took a village of cooperating relatives, neighbors, and mobsters to support the performance and spare him from the clutches of law enforcement. But the chin was the unquestioned star of this production, which improbably mingled mob hits with method acting. Marlon Brando in a dingy bathrobe. His was an extraordinary run atop one of New York's five mafia families, from the early 1980s into the new millennium, when the constantly pursuing feds and trigger-happy fellow mobsters ensured a steady turnover of leadership in New York's other four families. The Chin and the Genoveses always rose above the fray. To provide proper perspective, 
Gigante spent more time in office than four-term President Franklin Delano Roosevelt did in the White House. And FDR didn't spend his time dodging death threats, ordering executions, and avoiding federal bugs. But the Chin was more than a gangster, whose life paralleled the explosive growth of the Mafia in the 20th century United States, along with its decline in the 21st. He became a part of pop culture. His ceaseless head games with prosecutors in the FBI eventually inspired a memorable episode of Law and Order, the tale of dodgy Uncle Junior on The Sopranos, and a satiric novel, I Don't Want to Go to Jail, by New York newspaper columnist Jimmy Breslin. Gigante became a headline writer's dream at the New York tabloids, where his exploits were chronicled in big, bold black type, The Odd Father with tales that only seemed to confirm his legendary lunacy. Breslin's novel referenced the Chin's real-life devotion to two women, both named Olympia.